0: Welcome to the World of Rex. I am Marvel A. Rex, and this is my world. It is also your world. In this podcast, we will discuss any and every topic imaginable, from socioeconomic political theory and philosophy to gender clowning to the occult sciences, y'all. It's going to be a wild ride. Strap in. Who am I? Who is Marvel A-Rex? Well, I am a true Renaissance person. I do a little bit of everything. I am an artist, first and foremost, an actor, a writer, director, producer, philosopher, and yes, a cult practitioner. I am an astrologer of over 15 years. I am a student of the I Ching, and I am experimenting with my human design. And on that note, I deeply hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome. To the world of Rex. Welcome everybody. It is the week of March 28th and I am back in the studio recording for you. I am extremely excited to be here in the middle of a very fiery time that we are in. So we're going to be talking a lot about fiery topics, uh, exciting topics, expansive topics, impulsive topics and yeah we're gonna talk about anger today that's gonna be a really big one that's a big one that we're gonna be discussing and I have a beautiful and lovely guest who I have known for the majority of my life yes um, I'm gonna be talking to my sibling in a minute I'm very excited to introduce you to Andrew he is a very special human being and I have known him you know as long as I've known my parents it's uh he and I are well Not quite. We're not twins. Um, He came out exactly 18 months after I was born. So I've known him for the majority of my life. Very excited to have a conversation with him and to introduce you all to him. He's a special guy. He's one of my guys. Okay, but let's focus first on the weekly energy ahead. And um, some themes that I think are really important to talk about during this time of the year. So we had a really incredible rebirth and renewal energy last week. So somewhere in your life something woke up. The baby, as I used last episode, the baby woke up and is crying and is like, feed me. Like, come on, let's go. So we have this sort of impulsive kind of energy or even like an anxiety, slightly anxious sort of energy here that's saying like, let's go, let's go. And what I wanted to focus on, um, there's a few things happening that are really important. But what I did want to focus on is a few things that can come up thematically during this period of time that are important to be aware of and to develop consciousness around and to also understand that we are in uh, quite a catalyzing time, especially as we head from March, late March now into April and May. So there's really, we're ramping up, as I've said um, again in previous episodes, I'm just reiterating so that we can understand that we are moving up the roller coaster here energetically. So, you know, we're talking to my brother today, we're gonna to be talking to other folks who in, embody the energies of this time, who embody the energies of like, go get them. You know, every single person I've reached out to during this period of time has a very strong Aries placement. It is, it is the spring season. It is when they are born. And each and every one of them said, yes, you know, it was like the gusto that the energy there was like, absolutely. I'll do something that I, you know, that's new that I don't even know that well, but I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, I'll bring that up again with my brother because he's got other placements that are very funny in that regard. But he was very excited to come on. So just know that we are in a time where it's like a, a yes energy. This is a very strong yes energy. But alongside that, there is going to be opportunities for anger. There's going to be opportunities for frustration. Frustration is very high at times like this. We've got a lot of fire energy in the sky. And, on, and as above, so below. So on the ground. I want to go back before we jump into the topic of anger, which is so important to me as something to uh, meditate on during this time of the year, uh, especially as we head even into April and May. Before we jump into the topic of anger, I do want to talk a little bit about the energies that are present all year that are about to be activated in April and May, that this energy of go get them, yes, I'm excited energy that also has a little bit of right uh, anger anxiety um, feeling amped feeling amped up i want to talk about how this energy is leading into some major changes that are going to be happening in april and may for all of us so i'm just going to do a little bit of a recap here i think it's really important as we head into the topic of anger so i'm going to read some things just as an idea um, so it will sound like i'm reading because i'm reading Right now, during this year in 2022, we are exploring habits and asking ourselves if our habits are truly creating the experiences we desire. This is so big, okay? Do, do our lives or does your life reflect the values you've been realigning with and the integrity that you've been cultivating over the past few months? Okay, this is what I spoke about in the first episode. Go re-listen to the first episode of World of Rex if you want to really get into that. So this exploration that's happening over 2022 and then early parts of 2023 is inviting us to really drill down on the foundation and the rhythm of our daily lives and explore whether our habits and practices are helping us build what we want in our lives, okay? This is so, so important. Now, what's amazing about this time of the year in late March leading into April is that there's so much fertile energy for like new beginnings and trying something new. I heard something from one of my mentors recently where she was just like, look, you know what? If you're scared, which there's a lot of fear and uh, available, I'm going to talk about that. And when we talk about anger, she's like, if you're scared of this time of the year or of this energy or, or of new beginnings in general, she's like, just wake up and brush your teeth with the other hand. Start really, really small. <laughs> and I love that. Just, uh, switching up a habit like literally brush and this is really powerful um, somatics work actually is just brushing your teeth with the opposite hand in which you normally brush your teeth it might sound really mundane to some of you but I want to let you know that there's miracles available in that it is so powerful to shift things that you do every day because it actually sets you on a different neurosynaptic path it, it disrupts your rhythm and asks you to question your rhythm and then other things start to get questioned other things start to expand so this especially this time of the year this energy in late March, early April is all about, like, switching things up, trying things, trying new things, saying yes to opportunities that may scare you or may challenge you to grow, but are ultimately going to prove that, prove you, they're going to prove you, capital Y-O-U, prove your hero's journey, prove that you are a hero in some capacity in your life, okay? That's such a big part of this whole formatting energy that's happening. It's going to be really apparent in April and May, but we're ramping up to it in this late part of March. Okay. So I wanted to also mention five areas, core areas of our life that are being examined for our habits and our behaviors. So this is your lifestyle. Um, is your home in the way in which you live orderly? Is there an easy flow through which you can build and create within the confines of your home? Okay. This is a big one. The second one that to me is huge because I have so much Pisces in my chart is your spiritual connection, your connection to God or your connection to source, whatever you want to call it. Is your relationship with source in order? Do you have an orderly and consistent practice? Practice. This isn't an idea. This is a practice that supports you in your growth and in taking big leaps of faith. Spiritual practice is so important. It can be meditating for five minutes a day. It can be praying for five to 10 to 20 minutes a day. It can be... Engaging with different forms of prayer in different, from different religions, different spiritual practices. It can be uh, ritual. Ritual is really important. But having an intention to it and, and applying consciousness to your behavior, that is such a deep part of, of our existence. We need it. I will be on with a guest very soon talking about religion. So we're going to dive really, really deep into that because that's also very highlighted this year. Okay. And then your body and your health. Is your relationship with yourself in order? Do you eat well, take care of your body, exercise? I went over this ad nauseum in the first episode. Please go back and listen if you want to hear more about your body and your health. That's a big one. And then relationships. Are you showing up for your relationships? Do you make time? Are you valuing and acknowledging your partners and friends? Is there anything you need to do to strengthen your relationships? There's a huge emphasis here too on developing intimacy with yourself, which is really just applying consciousness to yourself and to your behaviors and to your daily rhythm and then applying consciousness, uh, and going deeper with key and core friendships. Right. Um, and, and love romantic relationships as well. Um, work and creative fulfillment is the fifth one. So creative fulfillment and work, in my opinion, should always be together. You should always be doing something that creatively fulfills you. Uh, that is not always available in our lives. We've all been there. We've all done things that we were not creatively fulfilled by. But the goal and the aim, especially this year, is to build rituals and build um, practices, dedicated practices to merging work with creative fulfillment so that they're actually the same thing. How can you create more order so that your work is more aligned with your purpose and your fulfillment? So, those are the big five cornerstones. This period of time, as we've entered the new year astrologically, as we've entered the new year from a. literally just from a a a horticultural or planting point of view here in the northern hemisphere we have spring has sprung we are here we are here and this is a lot about i am and a lot about the i am is saying i'm trying new things i'm putting myself out there i'm rededicating myself to myself okay now i'm gonna really switch the topic here Uh, but it's totally related it has to do, it begins with self individuation, which is what this energy is right now in the first, in this, or sorry, in this final week of March. We are in a self individuating mode. We are in a self individuating energy. Somewhere in your life, the baby has woken up and says, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for us. Okay. Self individuation, naming oneself, the energy of the moment is I am, right? A big thing that I said last episode. Is that the baby has woken up and is crying when babies cry they are not happy babies do not cry happy tears usually okay sometimes they laugh so hard that they cry which is really cute but for the most part when babies are crying they're angry all right anger is a powerful way to identify the i am i'm going to say that one more time anger is a powerful way to identify the i am or the self to identify the vessel that separates me from you and you from me. Okay, I'm not going to go into the deeper philosophical ideas around you and me and differentiation and what is actually the self versus what is not to keep it really simple right now. When you are angry or when I am angry, it is a signpost or a light. And I would say a light from God saying, this is something that needs to transform. And I'm learning about myself through that alchemical process of needing to transform. Something needs to change, right? Something needs to change. If we're going to look at anger broadly, um, how it functions, there are different types of anger. There's anger for different reasons. It manifests differently and certain bodies in our society have more or less access to expressing it, right? It's more socially acceptable for white men to express anger publicly. It is less socially acceptable for other folks who are not white men to express anger publicly. They get, you know, policed. So that's, that's a whole other thing. I'm not going to really go deep, deep into that. I just wanted to mention the multivalence of anger and how anger manifests on a social level. It's not equal. But each and every one of us universally experiences anger. Because each and every one of us has an I am that is here to do something very important in this world. And the anger is such a powerful, I would even argue, miraculous technology that happens in our experience. Anger is very available right now. It is very likely that we will feel angry. (laughs) Um, Even maybe more anger or have more fuel to feel anger during this period of time. That is part of the archetypal energy present through late March into um, most of April, all the way until April 20th even longer than that, really, all the way until May. Anger is going to be really available. It will be at the surface of things. It will be obvious. Things that you've maybe been keeping quiet or mourning over or crying over in the last parts of winter will now burst forth, and they can burst forth as anger. Like I said, anger is very powerful. I also want to break anger down because it, it, I think if we break it down, it's helpful to understand the process of it so that we can all apply more conscious t- consciousness to it as this week unfolds and as the next few weeks unfold. So anger. There's a lot of reasons to be angry in the world right now. There are literally infinite reasons to be angry in the world right now. We are living um, currently in the United States. We're living through a political climate where uh, people are are afraid to say anything for fear of other people being angry at them and then canceling them, right? That's a huge thing. There was just a, hu- a really incredible New York Times article on that that I found very fascinating. So anger. There's lots of reasons. There, Literally, we're at war right now. That is something that a lot of people feel a lot of anger around. I'm totally there with that. And again, it is a catalyzing, a catalyzing energy, an energy to say, okay, something needs to transform here. Now let's go all down to the bottom of anger. Anger stems from fear. I'm going to sound like Yoda right now, so get ready for everybody. Everybody who knows, who knows? Yeah, if you know, you know. Anger stems from fear, and fear stems from confusion, okay? The, the Star Wars series has a really deep meditation on this, and I love every moment of it. I want to take it all the way down to confusion. So anger stems from fear, fear stems from confusion. So when something confuses us, which is inevitable in our lifetime, Think about babies. When babies come out, everything is fundamentally confusing to them. They're just like, what is going on? I think the only thing that isn't confusing to a baby is probably um, access to milk, right? Um, I was going to say a breast, but like any way to get food, a baby's like, I understand that and I need that. But everything else is quite scary to a baby. We are archetypally in that energy right now in some area of our lives, okay? In some area of our lives, you are experiencing newness, you are maybe even being asked or called or, or gravitating towards a newness to something new, to a new experience, and it can very likely, and, and I'm going to even bet, will be confusing. It will be confusing to you or unknown. Things that are confusing to us or are unknown to us immediately strike or dance with fear. There is a fear attached because we just don't know. Uh, We can talk about the biochemistry of that and the the biological evolution of that, but really we can just keep it simple and say that we're afraid because we don't know and we're trying to understand. And maybe sometimes we can't understand or we hit a block and that further compounds the anger because there's just more confusion and the confusion feels stuck. So, you know, a great example, an easy example is like from where I'm coming from and a lot of folks are coming from, I'm just like, I'm confused about what... Is going on in Russia. Not confused about I've read a lot about current events around and even the history of of Putin and Russia. Um, and I, I look at the astrological cycles of Russia and I look at the astrological cycles of Putin's chart, which are fascinating. So I'm not necessarily confused about what's happening on an archetypal level, but I am confused about why men in power, specifically white men in, in Western countries, just go around and kick their big stick around and do all this stuff and blow things up and kill people. Like that is confusing to me. It then is tied into a fear that I'm also now afraid about and war is scary. And then I'm also then angry. I'm angry. Potentially I'm angry because I feel like I can't do anything or I'm angry because I'm like, why is, why does this keep happening? Why do we, why are we still as a species at war in these ways? This is so much, this time of the year really encapsulates all of that. So I just want, I'm, I'm drawing this idea out for you and I'm putting it out into the open and applying consciousness to it so that we can all sit and think about the macro ways in which we are angry and the micro ways in which we are angry. And knowing that anger stems from fear and fear stems from confusion is helpful If you know the lineage of it, you can then understand, okay, this is something that I don't understand. It's not to get bogged down in the anger then, and to just be like, oh, I'm angry and I can't do anything about this. No, it's to to actually acknowledge and even to surrender to the fact that you don't understand something. Maybe someone says something, and instead of attacking them, (laughs) i.e. canceling them, you then acknowledge, okay, I'm afraid because I don't understand where this person's coming from. Like, I'm actually having a fear response. And it could be a very micro fear response, but it's a fear response. And I'm confused about something. So what do you do when you have confusion? This is the answer. It's not, it's not about actually attaching so much to the anger, but it's a little. it's actually about taking steps back and asking more questions about the confusion. What am I confused about? What do I not understand? and if you cannot actually logically or conceptually understand something like if you just study and study and study and ask a lot of questions and you still don't understand then then there's time for it then there's like the the opposite answer of this energy the archetypal the the archetypal opposite of this energy is full-blown spiritual surrender and saying okay I don't understand this I'm going to sit with the fact that I don't understand this and I'm not going to and I'm going to then transform the anger into acceptance but you still, and this is very important about this time, it's not just like saying, okay, I don't get it and I'm going to lay back. It's this energy is so fiery and so like butane-fueled just energetically that it's a really good idea to try to understand something. And if you can't then understand something and you still feel the fear and the anger to then say, what decisions can I make in my, in my life? As an individual, this is where the individualism comes in. Where can I make decisions in my life as an individual that will help mitigate the anger or transform the anger or even just like lean, help me lean more into the surrender of the fact that I don't fully understand this. So for some people, it feels really good to be like active in like a a very typical activist kind of a way or being of service to a community, doing things physically in the body. This is really important. It has to be physical and it has to be in the body. There has to be an action, right? This is not just an idea. This is an action. This is part of what I was saying earlier about reordering our lives and questioning the order of our lives. So wherever there is anger present in your life right now, and it could flare up anytime time from now until, you know, late April, and truly anger exists in our lives, comes in and out of our lives all year long but right now it's like a this is a great time to get super intimate get really close to your anger because it's very much on the surface like i said earlier so having dialogue with your anger and realizing that the the big behemoth like creature of your of your anger the sort of um if we were to make your cre- if we were to make your anger a physical creature That that creature is actually just like a giant, um, I'm thinking of the big monster from Spirited Away that doesn't have a face. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They wear a white mask. Um, They're like a blob from Spirited Away. Beautiful movie. Underneath that big kind of scary looking creature that's devouring everything, which anger will do, anger will destroy things if it's not reined in, underneath that big blob of a creature is a very fragile, scared, and confused individual. Okay, getting more intimate with that scared and potentially confused. Well, yes, confused individual is the medicine of this moment, is the medicine of this week, is the medicine of the whole month all the way, honestly, through um, the big kahuna of the year, which is April, May. And then again, October, November, but definitely April, May. Your anger will help you get to know yourself better. Now this can be anger again on a micro level in small interactions that you have with the people that you are close to. You can understand a boundary. It's a really powerful way to understand boundaries. Then you can question, okay, I'm angry about this. why what is coming up for me? What am I afraid of in this interaction? What am I then what do I need to find clarity around in this interaction, which will completely obliterate the confusion. If you find clarity, if you say, okay well, I just can't do this in this with this person or i just i have to change this so that i am no longer caught in a confused fear spike fear spiral that's just complicated i love the word simplicity here because simplicity and clarity are two things that are so tied in to the beginning of spring okay like simplicity and forward movement Clarity and forward movement. And the only way to get there is to immediately acknowledge that when anger arises, fear and confusion are embedded underneath it. And then getting and developing intimacy and understanding the machinations of your fear and the machinations of your confusion. The details. Getting to know the details. So powerful right now. Okay. So this is all that's happening. I wanted to bring up anger. It's really powerful. I was speaking up, Megan brought up, uh, in last episode, Thich Nhat Hanh, and I was revisiting some of his teachings when she brought him up, and he talks a lot about anger, and we often believe, he was, he was saying so beautifully that we often believe that anger is someone else's fault, someone caused anger in us, right, uh, Putin did this thing, so I'm now angry at Putin, Putin's a bad guy, it's like, well, okay, he's doing things, I don't understand what he's doing, I don't understand, you know, why, um, we need to kill our own species. I don't understand why we need to inflict violence of any kind on our own species at all. I don't understand that. It causes fear within me and it causes anger. Sure. I can then attach all of my anger to him as an outward cause. But Thich Nhat Hanh speaks to the fact that anger is a, a profoundly interior process. And it is about discovering the miracle of who you are and the miracle of like where you actually stand in love and and the love for the self anger is a lot about the love for the self it really indicates to you okay what what works taking it back to the baby let's take it back to the baby for a minute when a baby's crying and 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 is like seething and is bright red and you're just like seeing this baby wail and wail and wail that baby is saying i need to be loved I need to be loved. I need to be loved not just by touch and not just by affection, but literally I need to be loved, A I E. I I need to be fed. I need to sleep. I need to take care of myself, or I need to be taken care of. So for each and every one of us, you know, none of us are necessarily babies anymore. <laughs> um, it'd be amazing if a baby was listening to the podcast. Um, it's beautiful. But, uh, you know, we're all functioning in the world as quote-unquote individuated adults. Uh, I think we're all in the process of that always. But, The interior baby, the tiny baby inside, is crying and is saying, I need to be loved. And the anger that that baby is is expressing is about self-love, ultimately. So if we can just acknowledge that during this period of time, instead of turning our anger onto someone else and saying, oh, they caused this. Just saying, okay, wow, I'm experiencing anger. Let me remember what Marvel was saying about the sort of step process of anger to fear to confusion and getting down to the bottom of the Russian doll and, and getting into the minutia and saying, okay, what is, what am I actually confused? What do I actually not have clarity about in my life? What, how, in what way do I not know how to take care of my inner baby? What is the way that I don't know how to do it? Okay. I need to admit that I don't know how to do that. That's a really challenging thing during um, this, this season because the archetypal energy likes to be Right. (laughs) likes to know because it needs to move forward it's like I'm moving forward I've got it all figured out don't worry the truth is we don't have it all figured out right now but we are starting new things okay we don't have it all figured out right now but we are starting new things and we need to admit along the way as we enter these more scary situations that are new to us okay I'm confused I don't have clarity or I don't know this thing I've noticed a lot that you know I'm 30 years old. I hang around with a lot of people who are in their forties, even older. And I've noticed that folks, it's always surprising to me when they're older than me, folks that are older than me really have a hard time admitting that they're wrong. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. I'm not even singling anybody out. It's like a lot of people have a very challenging time saying, Oh, I don't know. Or or not even that they're wrong. They don't know something. I just don't know. I don't know that thing. Can you explain it to me? This is so much, this practice of saying, I don't know, can you explain it to me? Or I don't know. I need to learn more. I need to learn more from multiple sources. This whole thing is part of the reason that cancel culture is so prevalent right now. Is that folks are like, they get really staunch and are just like, oh, I, I'm going to stick into, I'm going to stick to my guns, even though I'm totally confused. And the confusion leads to fear, and the fear leads to anger. And there's just then a lot of anger swirling around that isn't being transformed and isn't being accounted for. We're not saying, oh, what Thich Han's saying, this is an internal process. We're saying it's somebody else's fault. They said this thing and now I'm pissed. Or I thought I knew something and I, I did know it, but oh, this person said I was wrong and I'm not wrong. <laughs> it's like there's no clarity there, you know. And clarity involves retreating. One thing I love about the I Ching is the I Ching talks, talks a lot about retreat. It's like, ooh, when you when you are in anger, when you're in the full blown swing of anger, you have to retreat just temporarily to then regain clarity through analyzing, auditing, praying, meditating around why you're scared and why you're confused and admitting that you're scared and confused capitalism doesn't like this capitalism doesn't like the way that we are brainwashed into capitalism is like you always got to know you got to be the boss you got to be the man you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps you no one can see you looking weak this applies to everybody regardless of how they identify right this is what capitalism is just pounding down all the time you got to be the man you got to do it and I'm using the man very specifically here because that's that's the patriarchal capitalism we live in it's like imprint that onto every single body so that every single body feels that pressure right this is the time, I'm, gonna say, I'm just going to encapsulate everything about the medicine for this week. This is the time to move forward into things that are new and scary to you and acknowledge along this process that you will have moments of fear and confusion and potentially anger because of all of that. Taking time to burst forward and then retreat to then gain clarity again and keep moving forward, it's a little bit of a start-stop. burst forward, try a new thing. The moment you feel the anger rising up or the fear that that turns into anger, take take a step back, pause, retreat, find the clarity, pray, meditate, read, write, journal, whatever you need to do, talk to a friend to find clarity again. This will help you not just to like fly off the roller coaster um, because there's so much miraculous and like super, super powerful energy available right now. So if we're able to harness it, And not get pulled into the spiral, the chaotic spiral that is anger when it's untamed or when it's projected out onto someone else. There's so much momentum here. So let's be dedicated and clear and orderly about our anger, orderly about our fear, orderly about our confusion. And just approach it like, okay, got it. I accept that and I'm going to look at it. So that is the energy right now. I am so excited. There is a uh, new moon for all of the folks who love the um, astrology part. I'll do a little bit of that. There is a new moon happening near the end of this week. Uh, You're going to start feeling it by Thursday, the 31st. I love this energy. This is a brand new. This is the baby really, really coming in and saying like, "If if you didn't hear the baby in your life, the metaphorical baby that's saying, Wake up, you need to change. This is the area you need to change in. If you didn't hear it last week, you're gonna be hearing it by Thursday. Okay. And just like take time this weekend, take time Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to talk to your inner to your inner being that's that's waking up, that's like, I wanna do this, I wanna go. And acknowledge the fear acknowledge the confusion maybe even write down these are the things that i don't have figured out yet and just admit it and sit with it and and that will help it will really profoundly help the momentum forward okay the momentum going forward i love each and every one of you we are now going to transition to the guest portion of this we're going to talk to my brother andrew Recksteiner. i love him so much before we do Please contact me, uh, reach out to me, get a reading if you'd like. I would love to work with you one-on-one doing astrological coaching. It can look many different ways. You can always reach out and we can talk about it. I have a link tree, which basically shows everything that I do. I think link tree might be the easiest way to reach me. It is um, linktr.ee slash marvelarex. So just go to that, linktree slash marvelarex. You'll find all of my... um, Little links there. So it's so convenient. I love it. And good luck this week. All right, everybody. Here we are with our special guests of the week. I'm with my brother. Like I said, this is Andrew Recksteiner. I'm not going to give up or disclose his location, but he is living somewhere in the United States and running his own restaurant. I am so proud of this man. He does encapsulate the energy of the week. He is an Aries rising, but like a true Virgo. He asked, he said, yes, I'll do the podcast, but I need a list from you. And so he got a list from me of questions that he has very fastidiously yeah. answered. We will dive into these questions in this session. I am so honored to have you, Andy. How are you doing? Say hi to, what do you want to say to the folks?
1: Yeah, well, well, thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Um, I'm nervous. It is my first podcast ever. Hence the uh, the Virgo energy of wanting all of the questions and all of the info Um, it's just how I am, um, but I'm grateful to be here. Um, and uh, I'm very proud of you too. I appreciate the kind words. Um, but, uh, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to get the podcast going. I'm stoked to kind of, uh, you know, reach out to your community and, and tell my story. Um, I think there's some value in it. You know, I think, uh, I think, uh, people might learn something or, you know, just a different perspective. So stoked to be here.
0: And I will say for the audience, Andrew and I, we've known each other (laughs) uh, for—I mean, we're eighteen months apart. Twenty-eight years, twenty-eight years, and and some change. And we both grew up together in Salt Lake City, Utah, with the same exact parents, and our little brother Gabe, who we love, who's in New York. Shout out to Gabe. Um, and so you know, Andy and I, in some ways, have had a very mirrored experience, but also because we're two individuals, we're going to dive into that. We had a very different experience of the same city and of the same family. So yep. I'm really excited. I haven't, I will just be honest with the audience. Like this is an amazing opportunity for me to ask you questions that don't naturally come up in uh family dynamics. So I get to yep. like hear your story and really listen. So I'm super stoked to do that. Um, I think the first question I have for you is like, how do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Like I asked you in the bullet points I gave you, was like, what is your yeah. life story, story so far? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So take it away.
1: Yeah, I think um, I mean, I'll give you kind of the the big picture first and then we can kind of dive into it. But um, I think my story is unique in the sense that um, it really encapsulates like the uh, the the peaks and valleys of life, Uh, the kind of cyclical up and down nature of life. Um, I kind of felt like I turned nothing into something. Um, I was able to kind of create my own um, my dream. I mean, I made my dream come true. Um, and I went from a really dark place to a really ultra positive place, um, through a lot of different factors that we can talk about, but, um, to, I mean, to go over it, like, like you said, we went to the same private school. Um, we could talk a little bit about that. I think Sorry. I'm, I'm really into self-development, self-development, motivation, um, honing discipline in daily life, uh, obviously business, and money i love financial freedom and i i like talking about money i love studying the stock market all of that stuff um as you said i own and operate a restaurant and we can talk about how i kind of went from uh you know feeling really depressed and down about life to getting a job as a dishwasher and still feeling really depressed and down about life and then um going from dishwasher to owner in three years um and i think that's an interesting aspect of my story is uh I, in 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 some ways, I am living, walking proof that the American dream isn't totally dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, uh, another thing we'll talk about, I assume, is is Megan said it on the podcast last week. Um, luck plays a major role, yeah. you know, and I think it's important. I think most successful people will will admit
0: that luck plays a major role mm-hmm. um but and yeah, timing like, timing yeah. luck yeah and also you know power and privilege but we we don't need to go too deep into that but I think position positionality and you and yep. I were given an incredible foundation from two parents yep. I mean not perfect of course no one's experience is perfect but both of our parents are extremely loving extremely intelligent and I think in most senses of the word uh does they have a desire to expand yeah. Um, and to be better people, which has set a good bedrock for us. One thing I want to start out with. I'm going to bring back a memory um, okay. from when we were in Las Vegas. I just want to give the audience an idea of who you are, as as my, yeah. from my perspective, and then I want to hear your perspective yeah. of the story. I remember when we were driving from Vegas back to Salt Lake. I think, or mm-hmm. one, or one way to the other, Salt Lake to Vegas. Yeah. Do you know what story I'm about to tell?
1: Yeah, I know we, exactly. We, what you're gonna yeah, say. you know
0: what story am about to tell. And we got caught in some kind of a storm, or we had to stop at a gas. Station.
1: Uh yeah, there was a car problem, so we had there to stop a at a gas problem. station. Okay. It was a weird like, yep, go ahead. a go problem.
0: Okay. Yep. So, we had to stop at a gas station and you and me and Gabe and our mom went in. Mm-hmm. Shout out to mom. Went in to the gas station and Gabe and I had like our classic little kid, we're all like what, 6, 4 and 2 maybe or some Yeah, young, older. Young. young young. Yep. But I'm, you know, I'm the oldest and I I Gabe and I went and did our little candy thing where we were going to get the candy. And I remember you did have a moment by yourself. And then later in the car, I went to sleep. Gabe and I got our sugar high, went crazy, went to sleep. You had a very (laughs) different experience. And I remember you sharing the story with me and you must have been four or five years old. Do you want to share with the audience?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know, I guess it's, 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 I'm a real interest. It's it's interesting for me because I, I kind of have this duality to me where I am. very much um, a rational being, but also an incredibly empathetic being. I've kind of developed this rationality over time to function in other areas of my life, Mm -hmm. i.e. business mostly. But we walk into this gas station and I'm like, oh yeah, probably like six years old, maybe more, you're you're seven or eight. And we walk into this gas station and there's this couple. And um, I think it was the first time that I really knew that I was an empath. Um, that I, that I could kind of like feel things that you can't really see or notice things that mo- uh, some people don't see. Um, and there was this couple and the dynamics were awful. I mean, I like felt this woman's pain from like 20 feet across the gas station, you know, like yeah. I, I could sense that something was wrong. I had a really bad gut feeling, um, uh, I mean, in a real sense, I could sense this woman's pain, and I—I I mean, I was six. I don't think this was projection. No, this was like literally was just a vibe no. check. You know, yeah. this was like a vibe check. Like I knew something was up, and and these little subtleties. So yeah, I mean, that gives your audience a little bit of a perspective. Is I've always been kind of uh, in tune and and sensing of these things. And I actually, when I got back into the car, I started crying. I remember, uh, and you and Gabe were sleeping, and I was just like kind of quietly crying by myself. Um, and over years. Um, our mom is a is a is a, was has been a great teacher in this department. Yeah. But over years, I kind of grew to understand what that was and what mm. that meant for me. Um, your sensitivity, then,
0: your, your your like yeah. profound emotional sensitivity. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Like I learned how to kind of and then and then honestly, in some ways, like have the on and off switch of like I can turn on my my empathetic uh, abilities and turn them off. And and I don't like, I mean, I've actually grown to be a less, I call it woo woo I hope that doesn't offend your audience. You can say woo-woo. But,
0: oh, say whatever But i But I've,
1: I've grown to be a little less uh, in in that side of my life, but I've also grown to have an on and off switch, you know, where I can really quickly kind of be like, okay, this is a, a place where I can be open or this is the place where I want to feel what's going on. And then there are areas of my life that I turn that, that side of my empathy off. But that was like a maturity and coming to be um, but yeah, I think that was the first time. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm a weird one in the sense that I'm like, you know, uh, you know, definitely a capitalist, uh, definitely a, a very rational being in my day to day life, but also an incredibly spiritual person, I would argue, uh, with an ability to tap into kind of that, uh, that other layer um, that I think people either neglect or they don't notice. And then I think there are plenty of people out there who feel in a lot of ways the way that I do. And they right. can sense things that uh, are—I would call them—below the surface,
0: you know. Yes. Yes. So highly sensitive person. Another phrase that is yeah. in the in the common vernacular. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would say that I would I recognize you as out of the three of us, out of the three of us siblings, that you were per, perhaps the most open emotionally in that way, like a, like almost yeah. like a channel, and that yeah. that Las Vegas trip gas station anecdote is really an encapsulation of so many other experiences you've had which leads me to I think I am curious about in a lot of ways and this is also me just like I'm processing hearing you um because I experienced very similar things I'm curious about you know we went to a private Catholic school Mm -hmm. growing up um we went I want to say one caveat that to explain to folks because you and I know this but I think most folks uh who didn't grow up in Salt Lake may not know that often you have to go to a Catholic school or an art school or a private school so that if you are not LDS so that you are socially accepted, because at the time going to public schools was not a viable yeah. It wasn't really viable. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think our parents made a, a conscious choice to give us that type of social dynamic because they understood the alternative, which was kind of, yeah, I, I do think that the LDS church kind of does have a, a negative influence in that department yeah. when it comes to uh, you are, it's it's the they, them type of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the uh, us us versus them. Uh, and so, yeah, they aren't welcoming to social, to, in some ways they aren't welcoming to other um, you know, uh people who have different ideas and, and beliefs and stuff like that. So I think our parents made a conscious effort to send us to, to Catholic school because of that.
0: And so my, and yeah. my, I guess, you know, part of my question is like, how did that shape you? Um Do you have experiences from that? Did you, I'm kind of curious to like, I'm, I'm sort of helping map out your journey because I witnessed yeah. you as this like extremely sensitive kid growing up, yeah. um navigating Salt Lake City, which is very unique, but also navigating like masculinity and what it means to be a young man and to be an athlete. And, you know, you also had physical stuff going on that you were working. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, well, I think all of that kind of points to the beginning, some of that points to the beginning of me being, I mean, I had a lot of issues growing up. I mean, I had, uh, bad teeth. I had bad eyes. I had severe ear problems. I mean, uh, dad kind of said, uh, our, our, our father said to me once, like, you know, I was always rooting for you because you always had everything stacked against you. You know, it was like, you were the kid that I always felt bad for because Mm -hmm. you were just unlucky in a lot of these departments in life, you know? And I think that was just the Valley part of my life. I mean, I've reached a level now where I'm incredibly healthy um, and uh, I found my version of success, um, you know? And so, so, but yeah, that was definitely a Valley point of my life um and then i think for, to speak to the catholic school stuff i think um you know it was a very superficial environment uh, i think we need to acknowledge like the social aspect of uh, the the financial aspect of the school we went to is that yeah. it was a pretty high social status school where a lot of people were like you know most families there were like very wealthy um and we were kind of like an upper middle class family but nothing crazy in any way shape or form um and our father is like incredibly frugal in every way. Like no one and
0: all of us growing up, no one he was born in. he was before he was born in the middle of World War Two. Um, exactly. So that sort of encapsulates it for all the people so, who know. Yeah. Anyway, like on.
1: like you, I think I felt a little separate from that uh, social, you know, uh, kind of dynamic too. Um, Mm -hmm. but you touched on it a little bit. I think my saving grace in, in high school and later in college, but definitely more so in high school was, uh, athletics. Um, so I started playing lacrosse when I was really young. Um, I was actually an overweight little kid. And, yeah. my, you know, our dad signed me up for football and I loved football. And then I started losing weight and I started gaining self-confidence. And then from yeah. football, I naturally progressed on to lacrosse.
0: Oh, my um, God. I forgot you were a chubby kid. Like, yeah.
1: Dude, yeah, dude. It's been so long. A- yeah, yeah, I, I remember well there was boy. that
0: there was that really traumatic experience in Denmark where they called <laughs> yeah, you a little piggy. This is a funny story. Yes. Oh, um, my in,
1: gosh. In depth, so, so to give you a perspective on how chunky I was as a little kid. And I'm not fat shaming anyone. Like, no, not bro, at all. I not. mean absolutely I'm not. not. Everyone, has me me like, yes. everyone has different body types. Like everyone has different body types. It's all good. Um, but when I was in Denmark, we went we we spent a year in Denmark because of my dad's work. And uh I was a kindergartner at the time, or well, maybe even preschool, I think. You were in kindergarten. I was, I was in
0: first grade. You were in kindergarten. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was in
1: kindergarten. Yeah. And so every day for lunch, every single day we, they would take us to this dining hall and they had, all of the kids had these like immaculate lunches, like the
0: best looking Open faced, open faced like, Danish sandwiches. Ugh. Mm, dude, open-faced.
1: everything like all cooked, Nutella. like all looks so good. And so all of these people, all of these kids in my class were getting these plates brought to them with these awesome dishes. And every single day they would bring me a plate with a single cucumber on it they just brought me a single whole cucumber and they did that every day that I went to school there for lunch Dude, and I was like too young that's yeah like, I was hey, like too young fully, no like that's fully hazing though yeah yeah this is like the adults that were doing this to me at the time so it's kind of funny and then uh, another story that ties in with the Denmark story is uh I, the only friend I had so they used to call me Piggy in Danish, which I don't remember the word. And to be frank, I don't ever want to hear it again yeah, in my so entire it's all, life.
0: We can forget but,
1: it. <laughs> some trauma there. Uh, okay. But but uh, the only friend I had was this Australian kid. And we were friends because he spoke English, obviously. So totally. him, we were the only English speakers. So we could actually communicate with one another. And one day we were out uh, playing on the playground and I had a button down, uh, kind of a top. And one of the buttons... We're swinging on the swing. One of the buttons pops off of my shirt and hits him in the forehead. And he starts crying because he was, like, scared. And then he never talks to me again. And this happened because I was so fat. The button on my shirt when I was swinging shot off and hit him in the forehead. And that was the the loss of my only friend at that school. So cucumbers for lunch every day, no friends. And And that was my kindergarten... Yeah. I'm so glad we
0: moved away from not I mean, no, no, no yeah. shame. No, no, no hating on Denmark, but like for mm-hmm. our family, that was the right move. Um, yeah, I'm, for maybe, sure. I didn't know that story. Yeah. I hope Gabe listens yeah. to this podcast. So Gabe can also just really take that in. That, yeah. That is so yeah. intense. Okay. So, so, so th- but this is a great example because they're, they're yeah. we're talking about peaks and valleys and yeah. And then you go into high school, you're playing sports. It's, it sounds like athleticism built your self-esteem or helped. Absolutely. Build
1: your self-esteem. Absolutely. That was the start. Um, and then naturally, because I was good, leadership skills started to fall in suit there. So um, yes. I became captains of teams. Um, you know, I I was kind of looked up to in that regard by by my peers, like, you know, and did hey, you this- just
0: have did you just have a natural desire to be a leader? Like, how did it come? Did you do you have an answer for that? Or?
1: No, no. I mean, I think I would argue that everyone has the potential to be leaders, but there are people who are naturally more inclined to be good leaders. Um, I think leadership is something like anything else where it can be taught or you can train and become mm-hmm. a good leader. But I, I think that. there are certain people out there who just have that judge, you know, they just have some aspect yep. of them that makes people want to listen to them, want to follow them, um, and respect them. Um, you know, and I think I had that in some ways, uh, I mean, I mean, I I would say I definitely have that now and I've learned to kind of hone in on it. Um, but at that time, I definitely had it too. I wasn't making a conscious effort. I never was the one who was like, I wanna be the boss, I yeah. wanna be the leader. Yeah. It was never really my style. It was always just something that kind of came about and I kind of accepted it as it would come about. And then I just learned to get better at it over time. I made mistakes as a leader to become a better leader. Um, yeah. I made bad calls to make good calls type of thing. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you you do make mistakes and you do learn from those mistakes. But I was lucky enough to start very young, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in because of athletics and that kind of, yeah, boosted my confidence a ton, um, yep. both like physically, psychologically, uh, and then leadership-wise, I started, was, was able to develop those
0: skills. And so, this is leading like 16, 17 years old, 18 yeah. years old. And my question for you is like, how is the mental health as you're going through high school? Mm. You know, and I know we went to a very specific kind of school in a very specific yeah. state in a very specific yeah. city um but yeah
1: well well i think the big one for me more than anything was uh and, and i mean megan touched on this a little bit last week but i mean we partied a lot you know it was like Certainly. that was another thing too about that school is that it was like a because of the the non LDS influence, there was definitely more of like this crazy atmosphere where, where we did a lot of crazy stuff. We partied a lot. um,
0: And I I think what I told Zachary, I told my partner that um, I told her the other day that I feel like I peaked at 18 in terms of like my party days. Like most people peak in college and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we peaked at 18. Like when I think about the things we did from 16 to 18, I'm like, okay. Anyway, continue.
1: Well, the, yeah, I was gonna say the best parties we ever had, I ever had was when I was like 16, 17, like insane, like hundred person parties, massive amounts, like crazy stuff going on. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh that was definitely something uh and I think that ties directly into my mental health is I have this group of like eight to ten really, really close friends. And uh, you know, a, a spooky statistic, which gives everyone some perspective, is five out of my eight friends out of that group got DUI's. I was one of the eight who didn't get a DUI. Yeah. So that kind of shows how crazy we were at the time and how, you know, some of the the real poor choices we were making. And I think unfortunately that caught up to a lot of us. Um I was lucky enough to and I should I should just go back a second. I am sober now and I yeah. I, I have actually Ooh, been sober yes. for Sobriety. for uh I've been sober off of pot which was my biggest drug of choice I've been sober sober off of pot for five to six years now and I've been so yeah and I've been sober off of alcohol for three years now so and I and I I mean we're talking
0: like not a sip of booze
1: um and I have no
0: you and I are the LaCroix guys at the family get-togethers yeah it's always LaCroix time yep exactly so so i think but but
1: basically a lot of that mental health stuff uh, i think a lot of it was substance abuse and unfortunately it caught up to a lot of my very close friends in negative ways it caught up to me luckily early i would say um in college was when i really like hit my low um uh, my first year of college i was put on academic probation uh and so that was embarrassing the lacrosse team was like you can't play and i was like geez like holy shit you know and it was because i was drinking or partying or, you know, doing all this dumb stuff. And yeah. uh, I think years of that, uh, I, I was I was lucky in the sense that I kind of, it, it, it took too long for sure, but in some ways I caught it early, you know, and I feel um, the fact that I was able to kind of address that early was what really helped me to be successful.
0: Well, and I feel like you got into it, and we don't need to go too graphic into details, yeah. whatever you're comfortable with, but I feel like you really... When I think about your journey, I think that you really leaned into it in a way where it's like you went to rock, you hit rock bottom quickly because you just went, yeah. all the, you went there, you were like, I'm going. There. Yeah,
1: I think, I think the big thing, a big facilitating factor there was that I went from, you know, another aspect of, of my upbringing and ours together. Yeah. Uh, is that, you know, you go to private Catholic school, you have eight hours a day scheduled every day, super consistent. And then for me, with all of my athletics and other activities, it was like 12 hours of my day every day right. were scheduled.
0: Structured, and then structured. you go, yeah,
1: structured, scheduled. And then you go to college and it's like, dude, you have three hours of, of responsibilities a day. Um, and that was it, you know, three hours. And then the rest of your time is your time. And I, I think, honestly, I, a big one here psychologically for me was I was like afraid of life like when I got out of college, like I started getting spooked out, like, what do I want to do? How do I don't want to spend my time. And I think that's why I leaned into substances the way I did, yeah. because it was an easy escape to be like, Oh, yeah, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to think about this stuff, all this, you know, kind of this like existential dread, that I would argue leads a lot of people to, to use and abuse substances. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I was lucky that that like peaked really early for me. Mm -hmm. And I took what you were talking about, that ultra deep dive into it. And then I was like, never again. You know, I hit, it was weird. I hit like, I don't know, uh, you know, 23, 24. And I really just kind of like put my foot down and I was sick of it, you know? And I, luckily, um, this is a very bittersweet comment to make, but I I saw what had happened to people that I loved. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw how it influenced like, People who were very close to me. And that was an incredible motivator to also kind of change that. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, I think that was kind of like my early life. And then uh another thing that was kind of this is all, I mean, this is weird, but a long time ago, Mar, you made a comment to me that like your life isn't gonna start until you're like late 20s or 30. You made that Mm -hmm. comment to me a lot like years ago. And I was like, I remember thinking like such a weird comment. But looking back on it now, it was like um looking back on it now it's like that was all kind of a valley in my life like I was a low in my life and I had it uh really early um and I almost look at it nowadays as like a hibernation phase to get to where I am um you know so I think that was something too
0: I was reading your human design yeah I was totally reading your human design and then I saw you were a sixth line and I was like ooh, that's that's a 30-year cycle there baby you got three Mm 30-year cycles yep I love that you retain just like that detail where you're like, okay, 20s are going to be just, I mean, for most people, 20s are a full blown trial and error, but, but especially in, in the human design system, six lines really, um, they often hit very low lows and high highs in their twenties. And then in their thirties, uh, 30 to 60 years old generally have, um, they kind of, you guys kind of like detach from the drama and you're like, I'm going to just do my thing. I'm going to stay in my lane. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, and then another thing that happened too, that was like kind of solidified the valley for me was what I had touched on a little bit earlier, which is I graduated with a degree in psychology. I really cleaned up myself academically. Um, and I ended up getting accepted to a grad program, which I dropped out of after less than a year. Um, and I think that was like the bottom for me where I was like, totally aimless i thought i really wanted to do this graduate program i was going to become a clinical social worker which is like a, a therapist for most people yeah. um but uh i thought i really wanted to do it and i i didn't you know i wasn't interested in it i think uh i think it was a combination of not being my real passion and also substance abuse issues at the time yeah. that kind of created a perfect storm for me to not be able to complete that program and that's really when i felt like i was like i said aimless no direction um and uh
0: and let's pivot for a moment before we get to the yeah. success portion because we're yeah. close I, I know the timeline so it's like mm-hmm. i know that we're close to you having a breakthrough there well yeah, there's yeah. a little bit more down we're still going down but oh yeah we're mm-hmm. not at the bottom of the of the of the valley yet but
1: yeah.
0: before we i'm going to pivot us to i want to talk a little bit more about your interiority and how you think because i know that you and, and my mom have a very similar way of processing the world internally and you said something where you were like earlier you said something like. I realized I was afraid of life. And yeah. I want to ask you a question around how, why, why you were so drawn to psychology. And I, yep. and I'm, you know, I'm asking a leading question here, but I know that the way that you perceive the world being such an empath, but also the way that like, what's your relationship to how your brain functions and how have you, what advice or that you can give the audience or just explain to us how you how your interiority works and how you've been able to manage it. Because I know you've been diagnosed by the DSM. You've had psychologists diagnose you. And I know that you've also done a lot of work by yourself to figure things out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, if I could describe it in like the simplest terms, I would say like I was living in my head too much. You know, I wasn't, I was obsessive about, uh, you know, trying to figure out what was going on with myself and uh, what was going on with other people. And I think that actually led to me getting worse. You know, I think this kind of obsession with trying to find the answer and and like, especially the big existential stuff, like there there are no answers in my opinion. You know, I think these are things that's part of the human experience that you just have to accept. Like, this is just what life is, you know? Um, and there, there are questions that are so big that it it, it can destroy you in some ways to, to try to find answers to those questions. And so I think, um I kind of bailed on that and and dug my you know uh, dug my teeth into life and that's really what helped me more than anything was like accepting those things and those questions that I couldn't answer and the big existential stuff and then um, embracing you know life again and I think that's why now I have this kind of un you know unfettered rationality um, because it helps me cope you know I like to be able to make moves in the external world I I spend less time internally now than i do okay. externally okay. and i think that was a big change yeah. was like and it doesn't mean that i can't tap into that place again but yeah. it means that i don't live there i yeah. don't get caught up in those emotions i don't get and and also just a lot of like practical stuff like stuff like um i actually don't take medication for anything
0: yeah. um i, I think know you've you've been on medication though i right. have
1: yeah okay. i was I, I, in the past i was on medication i mean i've had a severe depressive episode and
0: yeah. those are like
1: dangerous and yeah. spooky and they are brutal um and debilitating, you know. And I have a lot of empathy for anyone going through that stuff. Um, and I'm not saying, I want to make this very clear, I'm not saying that medication is bad or any of that stuff. Oh, yeah. I think there are definitely people who need medication, and you know, you, you, it, it will change their life for the better. It's a but,
0: person by person basis, absolutely.
1: Exactly, medication never really did it for me. I'll say that. I think it was all sorts of other changes I made in my life. I think I had really negative cognitive self schemas, so I think it was mm-hmm. like this um, this cycle, um, and basically a cognitive self schema. A, a self schema is like how you think about yourself. Yeah,
0: uh, it's
1: like you know, uh, I I, uh, I wasn't in a good place kind of psychologically about how I felt about myself. Um and when I started doing things that made me feel good about myself, all of a sudden, you know, you do that long enough and you start to really build up a version of yourself that you are proud of, that you love, you know. Um so I really think it so you went with from kind of... like
0: you went from like stasis to action at some point. Yeah. And we haven't yeah, yeah. quite got there in the story yet, but you mm-hmm. dropped out of it's it's interesting to me. I'm I'm starting to see it. It's like you were developing self-esteem through athleticism. Yep. Then that, that glory of high school kind of fell away fell apart. Yep. And then you, you hit rock bottom in that, in the athletics, you, I remember you left the lacrosse team and then at some point you went into, at some point you went into, you really dove into psychology and, and I, in my opinion, like you got so deep that I I felt like you were going towards that master's level of understanding the subject and then dropped out of the master's program. Yep. And so, okay, here we are now, where are we? We're in Salt Lake city utah a couple years ago yeah yeah yeah.
1: exactly and and this is the point where like luck starts to kick in a little bit um and interestingly enough i took uh you know i i basically was fed up with this type of this i i was working at the time in like you know uh Either oh, or right. private. Tell private, us about
0: that. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. 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 So we, we skipped that a little bit. That was also part of the low. Well is uh one one thing to, to bring up is when I was in this graduate program, I was actually working in a in a psychiatric hospital, an acute emergency psychiatric hospital.
0: So talk about high we, stakes. Like that's it I don't think yeah. we need to take a moment here on the podcast and just to say that this is extreme situations. Like when we watch yeah. Batman and we're in uh what's the hospital in Batman, Arkham? Yeah, it's like Arkham, but like real it's yeah. real time and i'm not yeah. trying to i'm not trying to uh no denounce any of the folks that are going through that but it's just an extreme environment is what i want to say okay.
1: it's it's spooky i'll say that it, it's really i mean you have to have an incredibly unique kind of um makeup to be able to work in a place and i have i think i have so much respect for psychiatric nurses yeah. like the nurses who worked in that facility with me were like literally like living angels like um but but yeah, I mean, incredibly rough. I to give you an example, it's like you know you are buzzing through two sets of double double locked like doors to get yeah. in and out of you know the area that you work at, um, and then, yeah, there's kind of all these security measure measures and um, the I a uh, code white is like the worst code that you could have got when you worked there, and I, I received one once, and you basically have to like drop everything and run to whatever wherever the code white is being called. Um, and, uh, it was a guy who had stolen a pen from a nurse and was holding it to her throat. And like, he was backed up in the back of this kind of, uh, in his room with like 12 nurses and doctors around. And it was like, I remember walking into my room and being like, okay, like this is real, you know? Um, and I also worked in a kid's unit. So I worked in uh, it's five to 12 years old. So that was also something that was pretty traumatic too, is like, talk about, uh, I remember what my dad that you know our dad asked me like hey uh, you know how do you cope with working there like I get a, I walk out you know yeah. like I I, I get the buzz yeah. I get to buzz out of that place that's how I cope with working there it's like it it built the level of gratitude for me that was kind of like you know, I, I don't think you could really have that level of gratitude towards your mental health unless you are in a situation like that or you are a caregiver of an individual going through something like that. I mean, severe mental illness is ugly, like, you know, really, really rough and painful and uh, traumatic, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely traumatic for everyone involved. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was uh,
0: that was and uh, that was right before you dropped out of grad school. Yeah.
1: I yeah. That's I was cool. working there while I was in grad school. Yeah. Um
0: and Talk, about, so talk it, about an immense amount of pressure. That's incredible. Yeah, and
1: I was going through my own stuff. You know, I was I mean, going through my own kind of mental health issues and depression and stuff like that. And I, I think all of that really didn't help, you know. So, so yeah, I find myself uh, at that point being like, I'm done with these types of jobs. Like, I'm good. Uh, I, I really came to terms with like, this isn't what I need, you know. And I think that's another thing that I'm going to touch on a little bit is yeah. like, you have to have a healthy level of selfishness in life. You know, like you have to get yours. I tell people that nowadays, like people who are close to me and people who I love like, like, go get yours. You know, it's okay to put other people's, you know, uh, wants for you and needs for you aside and be like, no, 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 I'm going to go. This is what I want. Yeah. And I'm gonna go
0: get this. That's the whole so. theme of the month right now, Andy. That's why I invited yeah. you on because I was like, "This well, is you." I What I hear from your story, and I know I, I've seen and I've witnessed your story. In some ways, when you're talking about the psychiatric hospital, when you're talking about grad school, yeah. Even from I know our private relationship with our parents, you often put. I could. I watched you putting yourself second. Last. Yeah, yeah. Last.
1: I, I think. I think. And and uh, real quick. I mean, it's untethered empathy.
0: Untethered I, think empathy. Wow. I, I
1: think people who are highly sensitive or who are ultra empathetic, it's like you you have to really be careful about diving too deep into that side of it. You will lose yourself. Yeah. You will lose yourself in caring for other people and it will bite you. I I promise you. Yeah. You know, untethered empathy is not um not efficient, it's not effective, it's yeah. uh it's not it's not a good long-term strategy. I promise you, I've lived it. Um, and I think I really um I think what got me out of my valley was uh tethering my empathy was Mm -hmm. understanding when to deploy and when not to deploy it um
0: what is what does that look like just as an example can you give us like a tiny example of what it means to when you just when you are pulling that energy in
1: do you do you want uh i mean i'll give you a current example um sure so i've uh i think with like employees it's a big one i have i have over 20 employees now And um, I think sometimes uh, employees come to me with situations that require empathy, and sometimes they don't. I think sometimes an employee will come to me with something or um, I have to go to an employee with an issue mm-hmm. and the worst thing I could do in that moment is be empathetic if that makes sense I think when you have to have like termination meetings with people obviously mm-hmm. you want to have a level of empathy but yeah. you really have to have a good gauge right like yeah. you can't be so empathetic that you don't terminate the employee yeah. right you yeah. can't be so empathetic that you don't write someone up for, you know when when it needs to happen so that's that's kind of like my job is currently is like very helpful in that way it's like really requires me to not be so nice and then there are absolutely times where um we you know me and my business partners extend a lot of empathy towards our employees yeah. um and it feels good and it's the right thing to do and it's yeah. difficult to tell like you know when is it the right thing to do when isn't it covid was a really good example of that my employees was like you know we uh we we did a lot of things for our team uh definitely financially during
0: to the pandemic. People.
1: yeah during the pandemic to like like we understood like dude like it it sucks out there like you guys are risking you know your safety and health in a lot of ways to be here like we're gonna make that worth your while you yeah. know and and we're gonna show we're gonna show up you know and so yeah we were empathetic in a lot of ways during the crisis um and there's still times where i'm highly empathetic towards my employees but yeah so that's a that's a current yeah. example and
0: and do you have an intuitive i guess to go a little deeper do you have like an intuitive gauge like let's say i'm coming up to you as an employee mm-hmm. at, at the restaurant and i know i've worked in restaurants and anyone who's worked in restaurant yeah. knows how high stakes it is how high volume it is in the sense yeah. that like things are happening very quickly and especially when you're open and there's customers, it's a whole vibe. Like there's a lot yeah. of things happening all at once. You have to keep the flow going. So yep. in terms of, if I'm coming up to you as, as uh one of your employees and I'm presenting you with a situation, how in that moment, is it intuitive that you're like, okay, I need to, how have you learned to be like, this is the right situation or this is not the right situation to be um, either mirroring their emotions or um, yeah. How, has you, it just been practice or? Yeah.
1: yeah. You make mistakes and they bite you. You yeah, learn. Okay. I okay. mean, you, you, I've, I've had managers who I trusted far too much. And mm. then I saw something on the camera and I was like, okay, now Ooh. I have to deal with this. Okay. You know, I've had, I've had people that I was too nice to that their performance was excellent. Yep. And uh, I was too nice to them about their excellent performance. And all of a sudden their performance starts getting worse. You know, So you, so you learn over time, like, okay, these, are, these strategies aren't effective. I shouldn't be this empathetic in this situation. So I would say you make mistakes and those mistakes bite you. And then you find yourself where I am, which is years down the road. And yes, you are more intuitive. But when you start out, absolutely not especially if it's a person that hasn't worked for you very long or that you don't really know that well it's it it, it is on an employee by employee basis for sure um and there are some employees who currently will come to me with certain things and i'm like oh you don't come to me with this stuff like the fact Mm. that you are means that i need to i really am going to listen you know but if if someone is consistently coming to me it's like okay like you know take it with a grain of salt like what's what's going on here Mm -hmm. um It's also also an
0: employee by employee basis. That makes sense. It's it's a living organism. Like the restaurant is a living organism. Well, and they're
1: people, man. It's like, these are grown ass adults. Like they're people. Like I treat them like people and I, and I look at them like people. Uh, You know, I think my, my psychological background helps me a lot in that way. Makes me a good, yeah, yeah, makes me a good manager, you know? Do you, so, do you
0: find yourself, uh, utilizing the psychology, even the like the vernacular in your own head, when things are happening, are you able yeah, to like talk yeah. things and be like, this is something that's happening. I've studied yeah. this, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. And,
1: and I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, everyone goes through, I've had, I've had, I don't know how much I want to talk about this, but I've had employees come to me with like legit mental health stuff before. Yeah, and and I've, sure. I'm able to kind of address that in a way that is, um, you know, I would say more unique than your stereotypical cigar in mouth restaurant Restaurant owner. owner, There's like this like, there's like this like dumb stereotype about restaurant owners that isn't totally true. I mean, we're all different, but, um,
0: well, and I would even characterize you, I mean, to take it to another level, I would even characterize you in some ways in a much more encompassing way as an entrepreneur. And what I love about you as an entrepreneur is that you you, yes, it is restauranting. It may not yeah. always be rest, a restaurant. You may not always be a restaurateur or you may do more things than that, but yeah. currently you're dedicating yourself to this. Yeah. But I also just see you as someone who was like, I desire, and this is what I, I kind of want to segue to is like when you had dropped out of grad school, Yeah, you weren't clear about anything. You were confused. You were angry. Yeah. You were scared. But then a desire came to you. What was that? What was that yeah. like? Yeah, I, I mean, I think- <laughs> In some ways, uh,
1: our little brother was a a big one for me. Was that I was living with him at the time, and what was like really uh, fed into that low for me was he was like my big brother at that time of my life, and that felt bad. You know, like that doesn't feel
0: yeah, that doesn't
1: feel good for a big brother. Like that doesn't feel good, Um, and. He had, he was saving a bunch of money to go make this massive change in his life, which he ended up doing. He ended up moving to a big city that we were all very proud that he went and did that, but he saved up a lot of money to do that. And it was kind of like a simple, like X equals Y type of thing where it was like, uh, save up this much money, go do something that changes your life type of thing. Mm. Um, so I weirdly got obsessive with like money. Like I started studying finances. And I think another thing too, was like I was unemployed for a long time. So I was yeah. like broke and I was yeah. unhappy. And I was like, I had no money to do anything. And yeah. so I was like, okay, like I didn't start like, you know, if I want to get mine, I'm going to have to have some sort of resources. You know, if it's moving to a new city, like my little brother did or this or that. Um, and so, yeah, I became obsessive, but I wouldn't say just about money, I would say I just became obsessive with like, hard work. And I think that's part of, um, you know, the the that was really what what, you know, led me to that upward trajectory, Um, Mm. was just like, being like, out of this hibernation, depressive state, to like, okay, I'm going to change my life. And I think you can only have so much before you get fed up. Right. Like I just got fed up. Like I was fed up with where I was. I was fed up being broke. I was fed up with all of these aspects of my life at the time. And I was like, I'm going to become obsessive and change. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, I mean, I knew to accomplish my goals in the restaurant industry, I would need money. Um, and so I took this job that, uh, I took this job as a low, low level dishwasher. Dishwasher, you were dishwashing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, from the bottom to the top, I worked my way up to management. Um, and then uh, I think another thing too is like the discipline associated with all of that was yes. I saved every single tip I ever made, and I moved back on with my parents. Which, like, to be twenty five living with your parents yeah. isn't great. Like, yeah. and it's unfortunate that the current economic situation in the United States Absolutely. is such that so a lot many of
0: millennials, people, and, so many and millennials. Yeah.
1: I will say absolutely essential aspect to my success. Like if you're living with your parents and they're supportive and you're happy there, um, use that time. Like if you save your money, like, dude, you can build something with it. You can go back to school. You can do X, Y, Z. So if you're listening and you're finding yourself at home, like at your parents' house and you're feeling some type of way about it, don't like, it's okay. Like I, I understand more than anyone. It's a privileged
0: position. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Exactly. Um, so yeah, at one point I was saving like 80 to 90% of what I made total, wow. like tips, paycheck, everything coming home. Um, and then I think, like I had previously said, an, an obsessive or a, a, a major aspect of my success was being obsessive. And so what I would do is I worked the night shift. So from 8 PM to 4 AM, I was working, I'd get off work at four, I'd be home at four thirty AM. And I would sit down at my office and uh, like my desk. Uh, yeah. Now I have an office. Back back then there Boston, you go. You just a had a desk. desk. Yeah. Now you have an desk. office. All right. I had a I had a desk, and I would sit down, and I would study the stock market. And so I did. I did this every single day for two years. I'd get off work at four thirty or four. Get home at four thirty. Sit down, study the stock market, um, and uh, and I invested every single dollar I saved, which was ninety percent of what I was taking home at the time. Um, and I did it in oddly enough canadian weed companies which was funny because i was sober at the time you
0: were sober investing in weed i love it andy yeah i was sober investing in weed so yeah yeah. incredible that's incredible and and i i do want to just double down on the fact that you went from a place of like being lost in your internal Mm -hmm. process and in your internal world and you're such an intelligent and like, I would argue an emotionally intelligent person that you were just like caught in the matrix of what was emotionally going on with everybody to then a place of applying really mundane action. Like you literally got up and you worked at a rest at you were flip. I mean, you were flipping pies. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like you were doing something that was so mundane, but that consistent application of, of behavior and action with integrity too, because you were like, I'm doing this job well. I'm gonna do it. And you had a goal in mind, correct? Like yep. yeah. oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I think so in 2018, I, I actually just read this journal for some weird nostalgia before we started this podcast. And um in 2018, I started a journal and it was kind of like my goal journal.
0: And powerful goal journal. And, and it yes. started
1: out with, well, and actually I had a buddy who I was talking to about kind of where I'd gone to in life and he's known me forever. And I attributed a lot of it to like the journal. I was like, Hey man, like it was the a journal. lot of it. Like I just had a journal and I yeah. just did that. But I went back to the the first couple pages and it was like, you know, uh, save 500 bucks, raise mm-hmm. credit score. You know, it was like, my credit score was like 600 at the time, or like, not great, it's like bad. Um, and and so, yeah, you go back and you read that, and you're like, oh man, this is where I started it from. And I had it an ultra, really clear from 2018 onwards, every you know, pages in this journal that, and it's cool. I mean, you can see it. I love going back and looking at it. I still use the exact same journal today, like, some mystical like it's like I, I got faith in this journal this yeah. uh this journal this this piece of paper to these papers like Andy you're paper.
0: not woo woo but you're woo-woo yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah, like exactly. uh, yeah. we speak not, we speak different yeah. languages but it's the same language I yeah,
1: got you I'm not woo woo but I'm woo so yeah. I, I but it's cool to to see like you know your goals go from ultra mundane and it's like the 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 mundane the little things add up to big things yeah. um and I think the the variable in there is just your individual discipline your ability to like um, maintain a path, you know, um, just be disciplined show up every day, do the little things and they'll turn into big things. And then you'll go back, you know, for, you know, you'll, you uh, you'll, you'll look back, you know, four years in the past and you'll realize like, these are, this is where I started from. Like my life doesn't look anything the same. Like yeah. everything in my life has changed for the better. Yeah. And it started with save this much money, drink less soda, go to the gym you know don't neglect your mental health like these ultra little things are just stacked on top of each other yeah. so i would say discipline's a big one um and uh yeah you know. the
0: other the other thing that came up for me too was um you have i remember yes you opened yeah. the restaurant i know that you had your grand opening literally as covid was happening correct yeah. like covid was coming down as you yep. had your grand opening of your own spot And that was a huge thing. And I know that there was a lot of fear packed into that whole process even before the pandemic got placed on top of it. It was like, you were already doing something and I'm bringing this up because that's the energy of the the month right now is that you you were taking a risk and doing something you'd never done before, which already evokes a lot of fear and uncertainty. And then a pandemic came on top of it and you were like, I'm opening a restaurant during a global unprecedented crisis. Now, my question for you that I think the audience would be curious about is like, what was that process like for you? A, but also how did you navigate and balance the fear? Like what, what is your, what is your relationship to fear around that? Or did you not like, did you not have fear or what, what, how did it manifest for you?
1: Well, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely worry, but it, it ties into what we had just talked about a little bit with like the little steps, adding up the bigger steps. I think, um, you know, when you when you accomplish a little step, you gain a little bit more confidence. And then another one and another and and then the stuff that seems big and spooky is less big and spooky. You know, so it's like uh it, so so yeah, that was one thing that happened is by the time that I got to these big spooky things happening for a lot of people, it was like I had already worked on myself enough that they weren't so scary to me. Like if if you had to accomplish all of the things that I had to accomplish to get to that point. COVID was just like, like I looked it dead in the face. Like I was yep. just like, okay, we're doing this. Like yep. I've, I'm here. Like yeah. I've worked, I'm not The train up. is in
0: motion. You're like, the train is yeah, exactly. in motion. Here we go. No,
1: straight up, yeah. straight up. I mean, it's like, I've given four years of my life and like sweat to scraping restaurant up. floors at two 30 in the morning, you know, having spooky meetings with bankers and yeah. interviewing with my business partners. Like I did all of this really scary stuff getting up to this point. Like when COVID hit, it was, obviously yeah definitely scary like anything else but it was like you are a different version of yourself yeah. when you were at that point uh and then i was i mean the
0: self-esteem buoys you basically yeah you yeah up. yeah
1: yeah i mean i think you're either on an upward to upward spiral or a downward spiral and by that time i've been you know riding that upward spiral long enough that when the when that hit it was like okay um let's deal with this like anything else. You know, it's just like, and that's what I tell people a lot of the ways now is like, well, you know, what is your job? And it's like, I just fix problems. You know, that's what I do. I like, You're I know seriously, it's like, yeah. things come up and I fix those things and I make things work. And yeah. uh, you know, you do that enough, you, anything can come up and you just look at it like, okay, how do we fix it? You,
0: like, you, sound, like a, just... you sound like a producer in Hollywood. You're it's a, basically yeah. the same thing. And restaurants have that level of high drama. Absolutely. yeah. My, like... my, my, my my final question for you and then if you want to speak about anything else oh my god please mm-hmm. bring it up i want to hear but my final yeah. question for you is how do you when, when with your employees how do you nurture them just as individuals but also like do you have advice for them as or if if the audience was like your some of your employees at your restaurant like what what are the things that you hope for in people to instill in people that you des, you desire for for them to grow as well yeah um,
1: I mean, I think the big one is look internally and like really figure out what you want to do with your time, how you want to spend your time on this, or use that healthy level of selfishness to, to really ask yourself that hard question. Um, I think that's really important. Um, and then yeah, honing discipline towards that is really what's going to have the biggest payoff for you. A uh, small, consistent at, you know, action. I think, uh, there's a natural progression to everything in life and it is yeah. plant cultivate and harvest you
0: mm-hmm. know yeah like, cycles
1: it's, it's just that it's like there there are basic steps you can take uh plant cultivate harvest i'm always telling myself myself that and that's with like starting a new business or starting a new workout or or any of this stuff it's all uh fall everything in life follows that kind of dynamic yeah. so yeah. so don't hesitate to dream big uh don't hesitate to you know, t- I think the big one is take action. That's where the journal yeah. comes in. It's like, yeah, dream big and put it down on a journal, but also have really detailed steps of how you can get there. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I would say I would say discipline can make all the difference in deciding what trajectory you find yourself on. And if people hone their discipline, it increases their potential for them to create the life they want. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, focus on your internal life rather than the external world. Uh, figure out what you want and then go try to manipulate the external world um, so I think, I think those are all big ones. And, and, a, a one for my specific employees is like the, a question that I've gotten in interviews before is what is upward mobility like in this company? Right. And I love that question. Cause I just go, I, I you're sitting across upward mobility in this company. Right, right. Like I was there three years ago yeah. and scraping, now I'm on, scraping
0: the floor at two. And yeah. In the
1: and now, right now yeah. exactly. Now I'm on this side of the table. You know, yeah. so it's like, you want to know where upper mobility is. You can go from sitting over there, getting this job today to years later, <clears throat> owning your own business or owning your own restaurant. <clears throat> and that's really how it works. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of,
0: and and, the vibe. and what are you working on for yourself today as we catch you in 2022? Like, what are some things, you know, you can feel free to answer as much or as little as you'd like.
1: Well, well, no, I mean, I think the big one for me is, um, there is a downside to the obsessiveness that, uh, that makes people successful. I think Elon Musk spoke about it a little bit um, where he's like, you know, uh, he was like, I wouldn't wish, like, be careful about doing what I did is basically what he said. He's like, I very rarely see my kids. I work 80 to 90 hours a week. I sleep in the Tesla factory sometimes. Like, you know, and, and I understand that, that the level of obsessiveness that makes people successful can be unhealthy in a lot of ways. And recently, um, I wouldn't say recently, we've, we've, me and my girlfriend have dated for over a year now. And she was really the, the person who like brought me back to reality in that sense mm-hmm. of like, Hey, you know, you don't always need to be obsessing about business. You don't always need to be worrying about the restaurant. Like, um, so I think that's something that I'm working on is like, pulling away a little bit and being more like, okay, I can breathe. I can enjoy life. Like I accomplished this thing. I really wanted to accomplish. Um, I don't always need to be on. That's also something like, take time for yourself, love yourself, do things that, uh, you know, that are, they just do for fun. They just want to do. Um, so don't let that obsessiveness, obsessiveness go untethered for too long. I mean, when I, when we first opened the place, I was working 70 to 90 hours a week and I would go home Play video games, go to sleep, do the same thing over again. And I did that for a year and a half until yeah. I met my girlfriend. And then when I met her, she was like, Hey, dude, like you can leave your apartment. You know, you can stop looking at the cameras. Like you can you go know, on a we, bike ride. Yeah. You can go on a bike <laughs> ride. Go on a like, run. We, yeah. We can go to the hot springs. We can go do this. Right. We can go do that. So she really reminds me to like, Hey, dude, live life. Like yeah. is, none of this is worth it if you're uh, not doing things you want to do. Well, know, I noticed
0: so. you, I noticed when you use the metaphor, which I loved of planting, sowing, harvesting, right? Like mm-hmm. planting and then nurturing the, the yep. letting them grow and then harvesting. You didn't mention the fourth part of that cycle, which is the fallow period, the rest, the winter cycle of resting. Yep. And yep. so I think that that is a big part of what you're saying here is like, there yep. is actually moments of rest.
1: Yep. You got to let the soil recover. You know, yep. you, you, you'll, you'll destroy the earth if you don't. Yeah. Um it, that's exactly right you know yeah. so i think that's it too it's is uh and also don't hesitate to sit back and this is for any accomplishment you make but don't hesitate to sit back and celebrate
0: it after it's done yeah like just have yeah. that moment of like ah oh, like that's such know. a big part of our like, our mom spanish culture yeah. is so big our mom's from our mom's from the iberian peninsula i'll say it that way she's catalonian um and she i think that that is a big part of their culture is like really taking time to celebrate
1: yeah Yeah. And last thing I'll say too, is, is, um, take responsibility for yourself, you Mm -hmm. know, um, take responsibility for, for who you are, for what you do, for everything that happens to you. Like, don't be a victim, like be the hero of your story. Don't be a victim. Take responsibility for what happens to you in life. Life is absolutely painful and life is full of suffering. Um, but uh, it is not just suffering and everyone in some ways is a victim. So I don't think, um, I, I think the, some of the best people are people who can take aspects of victimhood or, or take the, the painful things that pain happen. Parts of their exactly. pain journey.
0: Parts of their pain journey.
1: Use Use your pain to your advantage. Don't get lost in your pain. We all have pain and suffering. We all have terrible things happen to us in life. Don't get stuck in it. Don't get lost yeah. in it. Like accept it and change because of it for the better yeah. and move on and grow. You know, so that's also something too and I think that that comes with a lot of responsibility. You know, yeah. it's just take responsibility for everything in your life and if it uh if it's something that you want to change, take responsibility for it and and you'll find yourself changing it in time. So Amazing.
0: Yeah. Andy, what a what a way to end it. Oh my god. Um, I feel like I could talk to you for a whole nother hour and I certainly will very soon. Yeah. Um thank you. Is there okay. any final thing you want to share or are you just feeling grateful to be here?
1: yeah I'm, I'm happy to be here i will say um support local businesses so yes. don't uh don't support big guys uh well that's kind of a i mean i love chipotle every once in a while i love <laughs> uh you know i love uh all sorts of others i like i like some of the corporate guys sometimes but um there's a lot of mom and pop shops out there that do things a lot better and they're a lot better for your local community and the local economy support those people before you support the big guys um and shout out to all of our healthcare workers who yes. did an incredible job during this pandemic and worked hard and a lot of the time they didn't see the financial benefit from it and they just kept working and saving people's lives um so i think they are often uh skipped over in the past couple of years um and then, yeah just take care of yourself viewers you know and d- go go find your dream and and take it you know yes. it's uh you can do it i think the american dream in a lot of ways is dying but it's not dead yet yeah.
0: you know i think and it, the american dream is i think the old way that it looked to take the phrase cuz i'm going to yeah. use your phrase um i don't conceptualize it like that as much anymore but i think i think i know i mean we watched our father benefit from it in some ways although he yeah. worked very very hard as well but i think that it's more like the american dream is changing in a way that yeah. is not so Hyper capitalist. It's going to shift. I think it's shifting, yeah. and that is unsettling because uh, because of the uncertainty. But I think I know what you're saying, Andy. I think that you're saying that there's hope. Ultimately yeah. Yeah. For each exactly. of us and our dreams. Yes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I I'm a big proponent that in a lot of ways I would say I'm not going to say everyone, but most people can go get theirs, whatever yeah. theirs looks like you know, how big or how little their, whatever their dream looks like. Yeah. I really am still a big proponent that, that you can go do that, whatever it is for you. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that that people have the capacity to go yeah. and chase their dreams and get it.
0: So. And you've been a living testament to that for me. So, you know, I've yep. seen, I've watched your journey and I've seen the depths that you've gone to that have been very, very uh, deep
1: um, mm-hmm. and
0: sometimes very uh, miasmic and, and chaotic. And you yep. also, you're at this place of, of, Looks like you're loving your life. I hope you are. Yeah. It seems like you yeah. are, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Life's dope. Yeah. So life's
0: good.
1: <laughs> you know, life's good. I'm nothing to complain about over here. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. So and you work yeah. hard every day for it, but you got nothing to complain about. I love it. That's life. exactly right. That's
1: well, that's what makes it. That's what makes it great. You yeah. know, you don't want to hand it handed to you. You know, yeah. it, it it feels better when it's yours. Yeah. You know, it's easy, yeah. it's easy to work. I don't work these hours anymore, but it was easy for me to work 70 to 90 hours because it was my baby yeah you know? it
0: was your baby so, it was know, my baby i was happy to do it so Andy, cool i love you i love you too thank you for being on the world of rex everybody who's listening this is andrew rex steiner he's my brother i love him so much and he may make another appearance on the show at some point I'm yeah to have him. why not
1: cool all right thank you mara i appreciate it
0: yes all right thank you for listening everybody and we'll see you next week